HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Franco Lania's Minnesota Wild Rice Griddle Cakes. For more information, visit francolania.com. Welcome to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum from the Brooklyn Kitchen, a cooking store located at 100 Frost Street in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Join me every Wednesday as I talk with people about what they do and how it influences their personal food stories. This is a show about people, life, and food. You can find Feast Your Ears as well as lots of other great shows at heritageradionetwork.org and on iTunes. Follow me on Instagram at feast.yr.ears. Today is episode 21 of Feast Your Ears. Uh, Matt Diaz is here with me in the studio behind Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick. Matt underwent lap band surgery uh, as a way to help address his obesity back in 2009. And since that time, Matt has lost more than 270 pounds. And today we're going to talk about uh, what that was like and how it has affected his relationship with food. Thanks, Matt, for joining me in the studio today. Oh, totally. It's a pleasure to be here. So Matt, I usually start with asking people kind of about what they what they do mm-hmm. in their in their life, um, you know. And I know from from reading some of your blog posts and seeing some of your videos, um, your weight loss is a big part of sort of who you are, and it's helped define you. But when you meet someone new, and they say, "Oh, what do you do? What do you say?" Uh, that's a difficult question. Uh, usually, I tell them it's a long story, but. Um, right now, I work for a design and print company in Manhattan, uh, doing production work for companies like Polo Ralph Lauren and Bath and Body Works. But uh, I'm slowly transitioning into spending more of my life doing public speaking, uh, social media work, uh, essentially just trying to be a body positivity activist. So that's usually what I uh, what I tell people is on my card. Nice. So uh, for those of you who uh, who may not have encountered Matt, um, some of you may have. Matt had a video last year uh, that went viral related to his uh, to his weight loss and related to, to body image. And Matt, you know, I think that I think your story is one that, that people should be hearing and, and should be talking about. Body image is something we were talking about before the show, you know, that lots of people struggle with um, in the modern age. You know, we're constantly barraged with images of models and TV stars, and they all seem to have these perfect bodies and perfect lives and sort of lost in that. And I guess what one of the things you're working towards or will be working to bring back to the discussion is that, you know, there isn't one perfect body type and that everybody is different, right? And that's sort of what makes the world great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, See, personally, uh, body image has been something that I've struggled with my entire life. Uh, I was weighing, you know, you've mentioned it earlier, but I weighed 495 pounds in 2009 when I was 16 years old. And 
uh, since then, I've lost around 270 pounds, and that was a really big, tra- you know, literally during my most formative years, I'm going through this in- incredible body change. And even after that, the excess skin from losing the weight was something that I've been living with since I've hit my goal weight around two years ago. And that's been something that's affected me. And uh, over that time, I've just been trying to learn that my body, just because it's different, doesn't mean it's bad. Uh, it was a secret that I kept from everyone for a long time. And when this video went out and all of a sudden I was outed, basically, everyone immediately flocked to me to tell me that I was like beautiful the way I was. And that really helped me realize that all of our bodies are different, but none of us are better than the other. Sure. And, and you're, you mentioned that uh, originally the video you had about a thousand followers or so on, <laughs> on your blog and, and that only and that, you know, you've been doing the blog for years at that yeah. point. Right. Yeah. And that one person happened to ask about skin yeah it was uh i've been writing and essentially i've been making videos on youtube since i was like 15 years old so my uh my social media stuff just became an accidental charting of my weight loss and my journey and then in uh march of 2015 someone just happened to ask hey i i know you've lost a lot of weight i'm losing weight too do you have any excess skin from the weight loss and in the five years i've been posting stuff online about losing weight nobody'd ever asked that question and it became a thing where i said like okay if i want to write about this realistic I have to share this with people. And I, sh- I posted it for the thousand followers I had on Tumblr to see. And then two days later, 3.2 million people had already seen it and were sharing it all over the place. Wow. And that video now is up over 100 million views. Right? Uh, yeah. Somewhere around between like all the different Facebook posts and all the websites it's on somewhere around like 150 million views are estimated. Wow. So yeah. over so overnight, you were someone that went from <laughs> someone who was hiding his body, right? Yeah. Who had shown your body to people um, yeah. as a way to chart your progress. And here you are now being seen by people all over the world. Yeah. This, it's, it's really it's probably one of the biggest uh like sharp left turns of my entire life is just suddenly like literally for the two years after i'd realized that i had this excess skin i was living with five people had seen it period like my parents my best friend uh a girl i dated like that was basically it and then out of nowhere people on the street come up to me and they mention the video and i know they've seen me with no clothes on right and it's really weird like it's very strange to be that open and that vulnerable with people but the way that they respond to it like the sincerity when you open up that raw and just share this with them is something that i never even could have accounted for or imagined and so now you find yourself in a position where i assume you have lots of followers on twitter and instagram and you feel you know we, we were also talking a little bit uh earlier about that social media has sort of become your job yeah right and so i mean people are expecting you to post things or to say things right it's it's been uh it's definitely been strange because for a long time social media was my escape you know um when i first started posting videos online i felt really like alone in my day-to-day life and so i would make content for the internet to kind of get away from that then this video blows up and all of a sudden that's where all my like all my main attention and traffic is coming from is from the internet. And now uh, people have started coming to me with questions about body image stuff. People come to me for advice and they follow things I say. And it's become a situation where uh, now I'm expected to do this. And it's actually my main job. And I've had to like find other outlets to separate myself from the world when I need it, when I need to. Um, it's, It's definitely weird when something that you've done recreationally for a long time suddenly becomes a huge part of your main like your like your regular work life right uh but it's 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 one of those situations where it's something i love doing so it never really feels like work that's i mean that's you know that they there there's some kind of a saying i'm not gonna i'm gonna butcher it if i try and say it but, yeah you know, you, there's some kind of a saying about if you love your work it's not really work yeah if you love what you do you'd never work a day in your life or something there like it that. is yeah uh so you are now sort of in the process of transitioning to doing 
public speaking and body positivity yep. work full time, right? Yeah, it's 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 something that uh, sort of a result of this whole thing. Um, a few days after the video initially went viral, a close friend of mine who is a teacher at uh, Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis High School in Manhattan, he said, hey, if you have time, would you mind coming in and just speaking to my students about this stuff? And I, I had a day off of work, so I figured, why not? And I went in and I talked to these classes, like, what, three or four seventh grade English classes, you know, 14 and 15 year olds, and just like small, small groups of people. And at the end of the day, one girl comes up to me who was in the first class and said, hey, I want you to know... Uh, what you said really stuck with me and I'm going to remember it. And at that moment, like to this day, it was the most like satisfying thing I've ever done. And at that moment, I realized like, this is what I want to do. I want to communicate with people because if, if I was 15 and someone told me, hey, you don't have to hate yourself just because your body is different, it would have saved me a lot of this whole process. And now I just like, now that I'm out of that, now that I come out on the other side of that loneliness and that like depression, I just want to make sure nobody has to feel that way again. I mean, that's a, that's a great opportunity for you to, to affect yeah. people. Um, it's, it's really, it's, uh, I look forward to sort of seeing where you go. It seems like you're at the beginning, right? Yeah, oh yeah. This is, very I mean, much, this is very much right in the beginning of this and yeah, it's, uh, it, you're going to reach a lot of people. <laughs> I, <think. laughs> I really hope so. It's, it's very much in the early processes, but I've got some stuff coming up. Uh, and this year I think it's gonna be really big for it. So I'm definitely going to see what happens. And you're now you've become a leader sort of <laughs> yeah, overnight by accident. Uh, I mean, what I think cosmopolitan magazine named me the number two most important body positive movement of 2015. <laughs> And as someone who, like, initially did not set out to do anything with that, just seeing that kind of happen and realizing that it was all just based out of the sincerity and, like, raw emotion, just it really reinvigorated me. And now I'm just excited to do what's next. It's nice to see you also really, like, latching onto that and, and yeah. taking it on. I mean, it very much could have been. They could have named that and your video could have just sat there on the Internet and you could have gone on to do whatever else you were going to do. Kind of, but some the, kind of weird uh, <laughs> reality show. Yeah, I mean, Big but, Brother. <laughs> exactly. But but the fact that you've really taken it in the direction you're taking it, I think, is is to be commended. It's really... Yeah, I, I think it's better than... Uh, you know, I, I've... Uh, I grew up with the YouTube community, and so I know a lot of people who have been involved in viral videos, uh, people who've, like, accidentally become, like, huge, and seeing some of, like, the ways they've handled it and the way they've gone about it and what they've turned it into made me realize that I could be someone who takes this, like, singular experience in time and then rides that out forever, and then 10 years from now I could be on, like, Internet Celebrity Apprentice or something, and... <laughs> Or I could try and, like, make something with it. And it's not about the attention, and it's not about whatever money comes to it. It's about spreading this important message because that's what people listen to in the first place. And I realize at the end of this, if it all falls apart right now and everyone just stops following me, I've helped a decent amount of people. And that means this has been a win, you know? Yeah. So that's all that matters. So growing up, can you talk a little bit about your relationship to food? Obviously, um, you know, you, you didn't become almost 500 pounds right. without eating. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I'm curious to know sort of what your relationship to food was then and then how that's changed since the surgery. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I grew up in a very traditional Puerto Rican household. So, you know, cooking dinners every night, just big elaborate meals with, with uh, fried meats and, and, and rice and just like, you know, how how Hispanic families do. And it's it's been something that uh, food has been a very connecting factor in my extended family for a long time. My father has like seven sisters who all have kids who all have kids. And we all get together on uh, Christmas, New Year's, Thanksgiving, cooking giant dinners for like 50 people, uh, birthday parties, barbecues during the summertime. And it was something that brought us all together. You know, at, at the end of the night on a Sunday, the family sits down and we have a big dinner. And it's always been something that has been in my family for generations now. 
so growing up, like that was a really big part of it for me. It was a uh, eating with your family kind of brought together this sense of warmth and this sense of like connection between people. And at a very young age, probably eight or nine years old, uh, I started getting bullied in school. Um, not so much the typical like shoved in a locker, take your lunch money kind of bullying, but the sort of the feelings of isolation and the feelings of being an other at a very, very young age, just because of, you know, the things that I liked back then weren't as mainstream and traditional as they are now. You know, not everyone read Thor comics back in, in like 1998 or whatever. Right. Um, but seeing that kind of seeing like looking back on it now, that relationship to food that was kind of implemented by my family is sort of what made me rely on it when I would feel isolated and alone. I started binge eating by the time I was like 10 or 11 years old. I remember very clearly uh, 10th birthday party, really excited, uh, inviting everyone from my class and basically nobody showing up. And being with my parents and one of my cousins in this empty backyard with a giant cake and then basically eating the entire cake that night by myself. Hmm. And it was the first time I'd started really emotionally eating because I felt alone. And over time, that would just kind of continue for five or six years where uh, it was a kind of a, a vicious... The food, the food was the connection to yeah. being surrounded by people. Exactly. Yeah. It was a sense of warmth. It was a sense of not being alone anymore because personally, I had like associated it with the idea of family and the idea of, of sincerity and caring for each other. Um, and so it kind of became this really vicious cyclical thing where I would put on weight because I was eating so much and isolating myself. I would get bullied and in return, I'd eat more. And for a long, long time, like this just kind of became something that I did. And uh, I, I kind of fell down this hole where, you know, I wasn't aware, when I was 14 years old, I wasn't aware that binge eating disorder was not uh, was an actual valid thing. You sure. know, I, you, you aren't really aware that these things that you're going through are experiences that people are dealing with. You think it's an isolated incident just with you. Um, and so by the time I'm 16 years old, I'm almost 500 pounds. And, you know, my parents had tried so much like to help me and work with me to help me lose weight. My mom went with me to Weight Watchers. My, uh, my parents took me to a, a therapist. I went to a hypnotist at one point. Hmm. And, and just kind of seeing the way that like I didn't address the problem because I didn't know that that was the issue. Yeah. It was my relationship with food. was the way that I relied on food to make me feel like I was with people who cared. Um, and, and kind of seeing that, looking back on it, and just how how I still struggle with it, actually. Because eating disorder is one thing that no matter how far you get from it, you're never over it. It's yeah. something you live with on a day-to-day -day basis. And um, really, the only way I managed to get away from it was after getting the lap band surgery, I basically had to relearn my relationship with food. Um, <clears throat> so just, to, just so people understand right. what that means, can right. you explain what the lap band is? Oh, absolutely. Uh, so I know a lot of people know about gastric bypass. Uh, that's the way more kind of extreme version of it, where they essentially cut your stomach and reform it so your stomach is physically smaller. Uh, the lap band is a way less invasive version of doing that, um, where they make three small incisions in you and then go in and essentially wrap a, a plastic band around your stomach that has these like little balloons full of saline solution that can tighten. And what it does is it slows the process of food going into your actual stomach so you get full faster and the amount of food you can eat immediately is less. Uh, it's a weight loss tool. Just physically, you're eating and your body oh, yeah. quicker says, I can't eat anymore. Yeah, exactly. It, it literally just says like, hey, bro, uh, we're done here. So you yeah. can try and keep eating. But if you do, you're going to get sick. Yeah. Um, and like basically that's – it's way less invasive, but it's also a tool. It's not as like cut and dry as the gastric bypass is. Um, so when I decided 
I became a member of a study at NYU to see how it would affect people under 18 because I was only 16 years old at the time. Um, and when I decided to kind of go in for this process, my mother and I, I remember we went to a seminar. Uh, we listened to people who'd gone through the process. We heard their success stories and their relationships with food. And uh, after, I remember the night before the surgery. It was June 4th, 2009. I'm looking in the mirror and I tell myself, if I'm going to go under the knife to try and fix this, then this is something that I have to really dedicate myself to. Because I've done the Weight Watchers, I've done the weight loss pills, I've done the, the, the crash diets, I tried everything, and I'm, I'm like 16 years old. And if I'm really going to try and do this, like this is something I really have to dedicate myself to. And I realized then that, like, you know, I was, I was young, I liked junk food, and like I didn't really enjoy any kind of fresh vegetables <laughs> whatsoever, like salads were not my thing at all. Uh, but slowly after I got the initial surgery, um, I was on a liquid diet for like three weeks, which is terrible. And once I could eat again, what I realized was eating healthy for me wasn't difficult. It was boring. So what I decided to do was kind of fall in love with the idea of cooking healthy meals. Um, I was going home. I lived in Park Slope at the time. And I, know if, I, I don't know if you know Park Slope. People just leave books on their stoops for people to yep. take when they don't want them anymore. And I found this, this giant cookbook that I still have of all healthy recipes. And I took it home. And I was like, okay. Uh, and I flipped through them and I made like one meal on there out of nowhere. And it was the first time I'd ever cooked anything myself. And it was fun and I enjoyed it and the food was delicious. And so what I started to do was to kind of figure out like how to fall in love with the process of eating more healthy and how to like make it interesting and make it fun. And it, it's exactly like you said before, if you like what you do, you never work a day in your life. So I started like making salads that I like that I never even heard of, and like cooking healthier meals, and uh, eating a lot of like vegan and vegetarian meals, just because like I liked uh, how differently they used uh, different kinds of like veggies, and I just kind of fell in love with like making things, and and it was so interesting because it stopped being like a diet and started being a creative process that I enjoyed yeah. doing. I would come home from school and make a make an interesting salad or i would like go and look up recipes on online and make a uh, mason jars uh I, which i still do to this day it's like my favorite thing it's just kind of like for me i realized that that the biggest uh kind of the biggest thing that i ever needed to do in order to actually eat healthy was to make myself enjoy it right and and i mean talk about it. that's a very serendipitous find to have, oh yeah totally to found me? that book at the right moment <laughs> <laughs> in time i mean there's also i think a real there's a real self-esteem piece of that as well. When you physically make something delicious yeah. yourself and then you eat it and you like it, that sort of gives you a great feeling. Oh, completely. It's, it's, um, it's a great motivator. I think yeah. that that's also one of the, um, one of the biggest sort of, uh, like revelations I've had to make in this time. Cause losing weight for me was a really long process. It was around four or five years. And part of that is because I've made a lot of mistakes and gone down a lot of wrong paths with how I treated my body. I counted calories way too tightly, and uh, I didn't eat for extended periods of time. And I, I kind of had to relearn my, my body and, like, the way that I looked at food. Um, and what I realized was, like, motivators or positive reinforcement is so much more uh, – it's, like, it's just so much more motivating than any other way of, like, of, of handling it because – you know, now that I'm now that I'm less than half my original weight, there are people who come to me who were mean to me when I was heavier, and they say, "Hey, you know, I was just trying to motivate you to be better," 
And I'm like, yeah, that's not really how this works. Like, you, you, can't, you can't just go back and, like, retcon that and say that you were just trying to help me the entire time. In reality, uh, anytime someone ever said anything kind about how I looked or anytime I made something and I was like, oh, wow, I made this and I enjoy it, like, that was something that motivated me to keep going because it was like, this is positive progress you're making. Let's see what the next step is. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a short break and hear from one of our sponsors, and then uh, Matt and I will keep talking about body image and food. Fantastic. Chef Franco Lania, and I am excited to introduce to you my wildly delicious new product, Minnesota Wild Rice Griddle Cakes. That's right, it's an all-purpose mix that contains an all-American ancient grain, wild rice from Minnesota. Wild rice is a great source of iron, protein, fiber, and antioxidants. With this mix, you can let your inner chef run wild. After you make the traditional griddle cake, basically pancakes, Try using the same batter to make tasty muffins, waffles, stuffing, and more. They make a perfect accompaniment to any family meal. And now, no one is excluded. I have just come out with a fabulous gluten-free version, so all those who are gluten intolerant can now join in on the fun and feel good, too. That's right, Franco. So swing by the Brooklyn Kitchen or any of the Wild by Nature stores out on Long Island to make a purchase. You can also buy in-store or order online from Chef Central in Paramus, New Jersey. They ship anywhere in the USA. So try something new this year and enhance your everyday family meals with Minnesota Wild Rice Griddle Cakes or the gluten-free variety, too. Check out the website, www.francolania.com, for additional recipes. You'll be glad that you did. They're wildly delicious. Welcome back to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum. I've been speaking with Matt Diaz about um, his obesity and his uh, weight loss over the past six years and uh, his lap band surgery. And before the break, we were talking about uh, Matt's relationship to food. And I'm curious to know, Matt, about how, you know, once you had the surgery, you said that you started, you were on a liquid diet for a period of time and then um, serendipitously found a book of healthy (laughs) recipes uh, on the stoop in Park Slope. So I guess the the lesson there is people should keep putting books out on the stoop because someone is finding them and someone is making use of them. Um, And then you started cooking a lot for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, were there things that were specifically, you know, when you had the, the lap band surgery, they said you can't eat this anymore or for a period of time or ever again? Well, it's interesting because uh, those things, there, there are things like that, but they're actually kind of governed by the individual. Uh, because of the way the lap band works, there are certain foods that people have difficulties eating sometimes. Like, for instance, um, a close friend of mine who also had the surgery can't eat, like, scrambled eggs. Just because of the way, like, that it's digested and it clumps up and, like, it's difficult for them. Uh, personally, I have trouble with bread that's not toasted. Hmm. Um, so particularly, like, if you go for, like, a roll or, like, a, a bagel or something like that. Uh, just because of the way the bread is, it ha- like, I have, I have trouble eating it. But 
uh, I'm, I'm actually better than most people. <clears throat> that sounds terrible. I mean, like, I, I'm better than most people in terms of, like, the way my body processes sure. uh, those foods. Um, I have, I've had troubles with red meat before, but typically, like, nothing's really too constricting for me. Uh, personally, like, the worst, the, the worst for me have been, like, uh, unfortunately, because it's my favorite, yeah. pancakes. Like, diner-style pancakes are mm-hmm. really, really thick ones. Yeah. Just, do, just do not agree with me. And it's the biggest bummer in the world because it's my favorite thing to the point where I'll go to a, I'll go to a diner at 3 o'clock in the morning after drinking with friends at a bar, and I'll forget that happens to me. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it's pancake time, and it, then it's not pancake time at all anymore. Right. <laughs> it's, it's just a really, really big bummer. Um, and so the, the lap band forces you to eat less but it sounds like it's really individual about what, how that changes yeah. one's relationship to food um it's it's about eating less and it's about eating slower mm-hmm. uh because the way that essentially like the food slowly kind of goes from one chamber to the other when it passes through the band um you have to kind of eat more slowly which is actually really good because uh, what is it your body takes like half an hour to realize that you're full or something like something that? like that yeah yeah and it, it's actually been really beneficial to me uh because i've been able to learn my body a lot better in terms of like not continuing to eat and then get a stomach ache 30 minutes later because I didn't realize that it was like that I was done with it. Right. Um, it's definitely kind of to, to, to the extent where I think if I, if I got the band removed, I could still maintain or lose weight continuing just because like it was a tool to help me learn my own body a lot better, which I think is something that I benefited over getting the gastric bypass was like, I didn't have to just like, it wasn't something that just kind of happened for me. Right. It, it was something that I slowly had to figure out through making mistakes and, kind of like slowly getting better with it do you think eventually you may have the band removed um there's no reason to like i i I could but uh it seems like a little bit more work than it's worth at this point because another surgery yeah exactly yeah Yeah. so we were uh we were talking earlier about Mm -hmm. about the skin that was sort of left over um and you recently had surgery cosmetic surgery right to remove a lot of that yeah um that's been a really really big adventure so this actually all started when the video went viral because uh after it first blew up people started funding um to get to like to to help pay to get the excess skin removed so the uh the surgery itself, because it's considered cosmetic surgery. Uh, it's, ele- it's elective, it's so elective. it's not necessary medically. Right? Yeah, it's not covered by medical insurance, sure. so I would have had to pay out of pocket for it. So as soon as this video goes viral, people start donating money to, uh, to help fund the surgery. And I had no idea how much it would cost, because there's no way to know without an individual consultation on it. Hmm. I didn't have the time. So I said, okay, you know, let's say $20,000. I put that up the day the video went viral. And I was like, all right, you know, we'll see if we'll get close to it in a couple of weeks or whatever. Hit that goal in four hours. Wow. Within the next six days, it reached $51,000. Um, and after that, my surgeon, Matthew Shulman, contacted me and said he would do the surgery free, uh, free of charge. So Amazing. Yeah. So after, uh, what? 10 months of trying to like trying to find someone to cover the story because we both wanted to like share it with more people um we ended up getting the doctors on cbs uh, and they're they're super great like they they covered the entire like the entire 10 hour procedure mm. um it's going we're going to do a live reveal i think in the end of march or early april and just kind of show off like the after but it's it's really crazy because um just that that entire process that and almost a year later finally happening and since the uh, the surgery was free of charge and i only had to pay for like medical staffing and it comes out to like half of what 
like half of what it would be which it turns out like the, 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 the procedures would cost around 50 grand oh so it turns out to be like half of what uh what the cost would be um and i've used the money to donate to other people like me um oh, that's great i was on nbc with a with another woman uh caitlin smith who lost a bunch of weight also and she also went viral and i donated five thousand dollars to help her get her final surgery for the excess skin and then i helped fund a transgender guy who wanted to get his top surgery done hmm. and so you know the fact of the matter is like this money is a lot and it was yeah. donated to me for this specific cause. Yeah. And since I was allowed extra, I decided to use as much of it as possible to give to, to give back to other people like me. Um, this process has been really taxing. I'm, only, I'm less than two weeks out, actually. Uh, you know, during this whole process of trying to come do the show, right. I was concerned about whether or not I'd be walking yet. Right. Yeah. So uh, I'm just like really excited that I'm actually. This is like the first time I've really been outside to do anything since the surgery happened, uh, and it's been a lot of pain and a lot of recovery. And I've got like drainage tubes and a bunch of gross stuff going on, but I, I feel great and I feel lighter. And I just saw my stomach for the first time, which is really crazy. Mm. I uh, I was reading on your website. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Matt, Matthew Diaz. That's Matt Joseph Diaz. Matt Joseph Diaz. Yeah. Com. yeah. Um, people can, can learn more about Matt and his story there. I was reading this morning before the show in preparation on there, um, a post that you put up about having the skin surgery yeah. related to body positivity. And I wanted to just touch on that because I think that you, you said something there that I thought was really, um, really valuable to think about, which mm-hmm. is that, you know, there is there is an idea that, you know, in body positivity that we should be happy with, you know, whatever we look like. Right. right? And that, you know, whether whether it's from a view of, you know, the almighty and God made us this way or yeah. whatever it is. And you mentioned on there that there were people who were who were asking about, you know, if that's the message, why are you having the skin removed? Right. But what you what you point out there that um, was so was so valuable, I thought, is the idea that you don't ever stop getting better. And that if you, as a person, you know, you don't ever like, you know, finish reading a book and be like, well, I'm done. I'm done learning. I've read everything there is to learn and I'm finished. I've read all the books. And that weight loss and body positivity is the, is the same. It's not, you, you are, we, we should all be striving to be better people always. And in order to do that, there are actions that you take. Right. So, um, this, I wrote this post initially as kind of a, uh, a response to a lot of comments I was getting when I announced that the surgery was going to be happening eventually, uh, which is basically, hey, you talk about body positivity and about loving your body, yet you're about to go undergo major surgery to change what you look like. Like, what's the deal there? And what I said was, you know, well, first of all, like on a, regu- on a regular level, um, there's a lot of medical reasons that I got the surgery also. Like there's irritations and rashes and a bunch of really, really gross stuff. But even like taking that away completely... Um, the point of body positivity is not I am perfect the way I am and I will stay this way forever. The, the, the point of body positivity is I, am, I am, am valuable and I like am important the way that I am. And any decisions I make to change my appearance or my body, I'm going to do out of love for myself and out of, out of wanting to continue to grow and thrive and change. So the idea is like cosmetic surgery can be the same as changing your wardrobe or changing your hairstyle or getting a new tattoo, which is I'm going to make this change because I know that I look great now. But I want to do even more with this. I want to grow more. I want to change these different things. And there's value in that. And the idea is like, you know, this is a next step in my process because this skin has been literally weighing me down. Like, I I didn't notice it at the time because I've been living with it my whole life. But the first time I stood up and took off the binder and just didn't have the excess skin hanging on me, like, I literally, it felt different. And, And just kind of realizing, like, okay, this wasn't, this... 
I, I've talked about this recently because I've been slowly filming my own recovery that I'm going to be sharing later on. Um, and the message that I said to myself the day of the surgery was, no matter what, don't let anyone convince you that you did this to fix something because nothing was wrong with you. This was about growing and changing and becoming even more. The idea of body positivity isn't stay the same, you're fine now. It's you're fine now, now become even better. Yep. Great. I, I think that that's, a, I think that's a, a, an important, important message for people to remember. And, and the, the comparison to something like a tattoo, I mean, tattoos are, you know, are everywhere. Yeah. You, know, you have them, I have them. I, you know, lots of people have them. And that is a very similar thing that yeah. people choose to do because they want to become better and they like the way they look with them, right? Yeah, there's nothing, there's yeah. nothing sort of wrong with that. Um, well, we're, we're nearing the end of the show. Is there anything that we haven't covered that you want to bring up or you want to mention? Um, I just, oh, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot in preparation for the show. I've been thinking about my relationship with food and kind of like what has been over my entire life because the entire weight loss process and the recovery process has been over a quarter of my life at this point. Um, and I deal with a lot of people who have eating disorders of all kinds and uh, even recently, I, I spoke to someone last night who was saying that she just relapsed from, from her binge, binge eating disorder, and she felt really guilty and really terrible. And as someone who lives with it, um, I just want to say, like, you know, relapses, things like that uh, are a part of the recovery process. And I never want anyone to think that just because they've, quote unquote, made a mistake in their weight loss or their uh, journey of any kind that has to do with their body, never let that make you think that you haven't made progress. You know, there are always bumps in the road. There are always things that are going to try and impede us. All that matters is that you keep moving forward. And at the end of the day, um, any time that you fall down, as long as you pick yourself back up, then you're still making progress and you're still doing wonderful things and you still have things to be proud of. Well, thank you, Matt. I, I look forward to um, to following your your future. I think that it's going to be really interesting. Um, you're leaving New York soon for for Minneapolis and other places beyond. But yeah. I think that uh, you know you're off to a great start, and it seems it seems like you have a great future in being a leader um, in this movement or or in just about anywhere else that you end up. Um, thank you very much for uh, coming on the show, and thanks, everybody, for listening to Feast Your Ears. A big thank you to Kristen Baylor, who's my producer here at Feast Your Ears. And please take a moment to like the show on Facebook and iTunes and follow us on Instagram. Talk to you next week. program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.